Hello and welcome to episode 139 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, Mark. Uh, wasn't a very good weekend for the Blue Jays themselves, but we're still here. And, uh, you know, just I'm good, but uh, the team it was, it was very frustrating this weekend. And as people can probably tell from your, your background, you're enjoying the nice weather up in where are you again? As George Springer once said, I'm in a undisclosed location in the mountains. Yes. Uh, Jacob, how are you? Uh, well, I'm trying to be good, but this team is really starting to get on my nerves. Like this, we're we're getting into the final two months of the season, and they are continuously losing games. But it gets better. They're going home soon. It, but it's it, it's it's been a tough weekend for them, honestly. Yeah. Tell me about it. I drove to New York yesterday to see them at City Field, which first off, love City Field. Never been there before. It's a beautiful stadium. Not a f- beautiful game to watch, though. Blue Jays lose 5-4. Then they win 10-3 on Saturday, and they also lose 3-0 on Friday. So their good record against National League teams kind of goes out the window in this series. Um, I think the most notable thing from this series or the most – you know, the thing that's most different from the rest of the season is the lineup shakeup. Um, previously, the lineup had been moving like clockwork. You know, you could predict every single day it's going to be Simeon, Bo, and Guerrero. One, two, three. Yes, there was some fluctuation between Springer and Hernandez, Grishik, four, five, six. But, you know, one, two, three, you knew what it was going to be day in and day out. And then after that shutout game on Friday, where the Blue Jays have nothing cooking at the top of the lineup, Charlie Montoyo changes things up. He goes with George Springer, finally back to the leadoff spot, a long overdue move. I think all of us agree on that. He moves Vladimir Guerrero Jr. up to the two spot, which I think is an interesting move. I was not a fan of it at the beginning. Obviously, it's worked out. Um, and then Marcus Simeon down to the three spot, followed by Bo Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez at number five. Um, the move worked on Saturday. The Blue Jays scored 10 runs. It didn't work to the same extent on Sunday, but the top of the lineup was still working. You had... I think all the guys top five of the lineup had at least one hit. A bunch of them had two hits. Um, Vladdy had a a long single and a walk, uh, if I remember correctly. So it was still working, even if the offense didn't put up the big numbers. Um, I I don't know. I'm skeptical of any miraculous lineup change. I think it's more theater than anything. And I know people were calling for changes to the lineup, and I can get behind moving Springer to number one, but I'm not really sure it does anything. I think it's more theater, more theatrics, more just saying, look, we have to change something because people are upset than it actually is doing something definitive to the lineup, that it's actually changing any of the results. Mm, I fully agree, but you said it worked, and it just it flat out did. In the first game, the top five was 0 for 18, they got shut out that game, didn't score any runs. However, in the second game where they won 10-3, to all 10 of those runs came from the top five in the order. It was Springer, had an RBI, Simeon had three RBIs, Bichette two, Hernandez four. It worked. I mean, 
could it have worked with the lineup being previously the same as it as it was in the first game? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's the same five guys, just in a different order. But something had to change. I mean, considering the Blue Jays lost this the series to the Red Sox and they had just got been shut out by the Mets, something had to change. And as I alluded to in the beginning, something you need to continue to, or you need to start winning these games. And Charlie Montoyo said, okay, my guys are not doing what they need to do. We're going to shake it up because they have the tools to win. And we saw them. We saw them at least they were in all three of the games, I would say. I know they didn't win two of the three, but I would say that they were at least in them, meaning they have the tools to get the job done. You just have to rearrange it, and it worked. Uh, in the second game, I'm going to say the offense did its job. I know they ended up losing 5-4, to four, but I think that I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say that that was more on the pitching that faltered late in the game and resulted in them losing. I mean, Ross Stripling was fantastic in that game. Uh, one run over five innings, but the offense, it, it backed him up. I mean, it, it gave him, I think it was, I believe they were down when he left the game, but the, eventually they scored three runs and then another run later in the game. So that gave them the, that gave them at least a chance. And then, I mean, late innings, you see Ryan Barucki and Jacob Barnes both giving up two earned runs. And Ryan or Jacob Barnes didn't even record an out. Uh, Ryan Barucki only a third of, or two-thirds of an inning, but... In terms of that, it didn't necessarily work. However, the offense, I think it's fair to say that shifted up a little bit, changed things up, and it worked. It it just it flat out didn't. I, I fully expect to see uh, George Springer in the leadoff spot all three of those games, in or all four of those games, actually, in Boston. And you know what? It, keep it like this until something alludes to the fact that you need to change it. And I don't think it does. Honestly, I, I mean, I will say I, I was surprised to see Guerrero in the number two spot I thought he would stay at three maybe you move Simeon or Bichette to to the second spot but I'm not really complaining honestly that it's the same guys and they're all good guys you have Springer can get on base Guerrero Springer can get on base but he can also hit it out the ballpark Guerrero can do the same thing Simeon Bichette Hernandez like these are all guys that to some extent are power hitters but they're also guys that can just flat out hit and they can get you runs they can do absolutely anything and they can get you to the bottom of the order or middle to the bottom of the order, turn it over, then the same guys again. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the offense going into the Boston series. I'm excited to see how they're able to continue this. I know Boston is a better team than the Mets, arguably, but something I think had to change because you can't you can't get shut out by the Mets, lose the series to the Red Sox, go into another series against the Red Sox, I think they're now four and a half games out of a wild card spot. Like at some point you got to look at your your guys and say, we got to change things because playoffs are not expanded this year. You you need to start winning games. You know, we're going into the trade deadline is four days away as of recording this on the 26th of July or yeah, the four days. I keep forgetting that July is 31 days, not 30, but point is the season's almost over. Uh, or you're going into the the long stretch, the home stretch of the season. You got to start winning games, and Charlie Montoyo's looking. I think he's looking like a genius for that move, and it's. I'm I'm excited to see how it's able to carry on to to, to basically against Red Sox pitching. Yeah, uh, I love the lineup move. I don't know if you guys obviously don't as you know on board as with the, as me. Just I'm just not surprised either. I thought George Springer leading off was long overdue, and I think that all of us know that he is most comfortable batting one. He came here to bat one. This goes all the way back to his, I guess, video conference back in 
January or whatever it was that he wanted to bat one, but he understood, given all the time that he's missed, uh, people like Marcus Simeon, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the original t- starting or first three, uh, they were hot and they had to stay there. And for someone like Springer, for the time being when he came back, hitting cleanup was pretty much the only option for the start. And Simeon slowly started cooling off. Not a lot. He's still pitch. He's still playing really well. Obviously, he hit that three run home run in the series. But what I'm trying to say is. His numbers like dipped a little bit to the point where Charlie Montoyo was comfortable making the move, and I think that game on Friday night was very. Um, it was just it was a disappointing one. You got it's a three nothing loss. Even you know Stephen Matson is returned to New York, his uh, return to City Field gives up two runs in the first inning. That's okay, a little bit shaky, but however he ends his start off very good. He goes up, I think it was about six six innings of allowing two earned runs. And all of a sudden, the Jays can't get anything going offensively. Only three hits that game as well. It's not like they had base runners. They had nothing that game. And they have a little bit of a spark. We, you know, we, we spoke about the game on Saturday as well. They come out, they put up 10 runs, and they win what, 10-3. And that was obviously a much better outcome. That was an outcome where a lineup change paid off. And I think we're going to see that. But yeah, going back to the uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at second, I think... I was also surprised as well, but I personally really liked the move because at first when I saw it, I definitely got a little bit confused, but you can understand why that happened. And we were also talking earlier on the season too. If George Springer eventually takes over the leadoff spot, would someone like Bo Bichette also possibly move down? Because then if George and and then maybe Marcus Simeon hit second, either way, George Springer hitting leadoff opened up a lot of possibilities and pretty much shuffled the entire deck. So that's pretty much what happened with that one through four. Um, it's a lot different now, but I just really enjoy the fact that George Springer gets the bat lead off and you have Marcus Simeon also hitting third or hitting cleanup. Who's been a power hitter this year. It's really good balance for the lineup. And I, I like the change and I think it was necessary for the last, whatever, 160 games going on. So that's why um, I personally enjoy it. And I mean, we'll see what happens as well. You have Teoscar Hernandez batting fifth, and I think it keeps the lineup pretty much complete as well. It's a very deep lineup, and the only problem now is this team still isn't getting over the hump. They're still not winning series, and they're four games back of the wild card, uh, the second wild card spot, like you mentioned, Jacob. But, you know, it's just at this point, they're hovering about 500 still. We're at July 26th, like you also mentioned. The, the trade deadline is coming up. When are they going to get over the hump, and when are they going to get closer to that playoff spot, that second wild card spot, and who knows how long it's going to take. It's just something that's kind of frustrating a little bit uh, of fans because we don't know if this team is really legit. If they're not, it's just I don't understand, um, you know, what the heck's going on. I They're inconsistent for sure, but honestly, yes, I just they need help. We know that. Hopefully by Friday, you know, they return back to Rogers Center. Maybe they have a different team by then. Maybe they go out and make some moves, and I think we are expecting moves. It just... To the extent we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We know that the Jays have had scouts recently at the, I think it was the Cubs and D-backs game. That's always interesting because we know that the Cubs are going to be pretty much uh, one of the biggest sellers in the league, uh, a few aside from a couple other teams. So there's a lot of options from the Cubs. But, you know, I just, you know, after the deadline, heading into August and September, I know we kept, we've been, it's almost been like we've been a broken record all year, but it's true. They got to do better than this. And that's why it's frustrating if they're legit or not. You lose two, you lose two out of three to the Mets, who arguably you're just as good as the Mets. The Mets aren't that good. They're they're not. When you look at their lineup, it's not a very scary lineup, other than a few guys like Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor. Even though Francisco Lindor is currently injured, um, it's just it's it's 
it's disappointing because of that. And now that the Jays lose two out of three, you got to go to Boston for four games, four tough games. It's going to be a tough series at Fenway for four games. So you hope that they can maybe split it at the worst case scenario. I'm not asking, you know, I'm not expecting them to sweep Boston. That would obviously be great and huge for the division. But you're expecting it, the Jays to take at least two games from them. And I hope that they can do that. And that can kind of build their momentum as they come back home. But either way, a disappointing series for sure this weekend uh, at City Field. Yeah, the name Pete Alonzo now gives me PTSD from this series. Three home runs in this series. You're looking at a mirror um, image. Of I him, mean, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love him. He's awesome. He's a lot of fun to watch. We all saw his celebration after the home run um, on Sunday, and seeing you know the fans react to him, it's great. And by the way, like New York Mets fans, we may have been, I may have been cheering against them, but they were great. Um, it's not like going to Boston. He get made fun of if the Blue Jays lose. I didn't hear a word from them that was negative. People were complimenting the new blue jerseys. Um, talking about Guerrero and all that great stuff. So they were great. But yeah, Pete Alonzo, PTSD from now on. But yeah, the Mets aren't that great. Like you look at where they are right now. If the Blue Jays were playing in the NL East, we would be having an entirely different conversation about how good they are. Like the Mets are, what, three games ahead of the Blue Jays? Like they have three more wins, four more wins. And yet everyone's talking about them as this great team because they're in first place in the NL East. But it's only because the NL East is the worst division in baseball, besides maybe the NL Central. Like, you look at the depth of the American League East, the depth of other divisions like the NL West, compared to how bad the NL East is, it's just ridiculous. And um, it makes me jealous for them because the Blue Jays are in fourth place. Um, maybe they're back up to third place um, over the Yankees. I don't know. But fourth place in the American League East when they would be a couple games behind first place in the NL East. It's uh, it's frustrating to say the least. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what this team is. Like you said, Bryson, they're so inconsistent that it's impossible to nail down how good they are, what they're going to do at the deadline. Like, even going back to like 2014, the 2014 team went on, I think it was an 11-game win streak near the start of the season. The 2015 team went on, I think, two 11-games win streaks, one after the deadline, one earlier in the season. Um, we just haven't seen that from the Blue Jays. Their longest win streak is, what, five games this season, six games this season? Um, they just haven't been able to string together long win streaks or even long losing streaks. Um, as soon as you think the Blue Jays are finally breaking through and taking off and they're going to climb in the, the wild card race and in the division, all of a sudden they start doing badly, like after we saw with that series against the Rangers. And when you think they're dead, when you think they're you know over with, we saw that six-game losing streak at two times this season, all of a sudden they come back and they win a bunch of games. So I I don't know. They're, they seem like a 500 team to me. That's that's what we're looking at right now. They're a couple games over 500. They can't string together wins. They refuse to string together losses. It's they're a middle of the road team, and I think that's what's frustrating going into the trade deadline because we don't have a clear picture of what their potential is, what they are as a team. Um, but I do hope that the Blue Jays make some moves. I don't want them to be all out aggressive. I don't want them to send prospects like Aralvis Martinez or grab Gabriel Moreno anywhere. But they got to make some moves, and they can improve the team, you know, next year, the year after that, while still improving the team this year. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, the last thing on the lineup changes, I think Alejandro Kirk should be 
batting higher. Um, I think, you know, how good he is offensively. We saw it on Sunday, two for four with a double. Um, yes, he has holes in his game. You know, he's not a great base runner. We saw him get picked off. He almost got picked off at another point in that game. Um, but he should be batting higher. I, I think the the power of his bat, the pure, the pure skill of his hitting deserves him. Um, he deserves to, to bat higher in the lineup because of that. See, I agree with you, but the one, I think, issue is the fact that the basically the top two-thirds of the lineup is consists of guys that are probably top tier hitters in baseball and you know he, i mean he's i don't think he's going in the top half uh the top i think four or five because you know we mentioned that the the top four or five are some of the best hitters and you know you're paying a ton of money for these guys but after that you have i think you have grichik espinal and usually a dh they didn't have a dh because they were in the in a national league park but usually you'll have uh espinal grichik uh, Guriel, guys like that towards the end of the lineup and primarily all year it's just been the catchers the ninth hitter whether it was Danny Jansen Reese McGuire Alejandro Kirk uh, Riley Adams any of these guys and with Alejandro Kirk I think I think he deserves to be higher in the lineup but I think at best he would be sixth or seventh just simply because I mean you also gotta remember he is a righty and if you have guys like Kevin Biggio uh, hitting, you're kind of going to give him a little bit of leverage just because he is a lefty to break up all those righties at the top half. But maybe you move Grichik down to seventh or and Espinal down to eighth. But even with Espinal, he's actually having a very good offensive season. Uh, he hitting 320 right now in 55 games. So he, like he's only played about I think like half the games that the team has has had. Although he has bounced around AAA and the minor or the major leagues, but. Still, he in 130 plate appearances, a 320 average and a 362 on base percentage. Like with him, I, I if say you move him to move him down to the ninth spot or something like that, and you, you like you switch him and Kirk, I think we would have the same debate about about whether uh, uh, whether he should be up higher in the lineup, something like that. But so with that said, I, I think there's just the nature of the Blue Jays lineup and the fact that it is so deep and you have so many guys, guys that are good. And then you have guys that are just kind of surprising you. I mean, uh, Santiago Espinal, I, I didn't expect him to be this good. Like I know he was, he had a good season last year. I didn't expect him to be hitting anywhere close to this. I was thinking maybe 250, 260 was realistic for him. He's hitting over 300. I don't think you move him down and with Alejandro Kirk, he has missed a ton of time, uh, hitting 255 currently after overnight or only 19 games. I think you, the the best option I think is maybe just to leave him in the ninth spot, not because he doesn't deserve to move up, but just because you have so many guys that also don't deserve to move down. And and I don't think that deserve to move down should maybe be the way to describe it because. I don't think any of these guys deserve a demotion and, and go l- lower in the lineup. It's just you have so many guys to the point where naturally when you piece together your lineup, there's going to be guys that are good hitters hitting lower in the lineup just because of how many good guys there are. And I mean, you look at even Gurriel, he's primarily hitting, hitting in the eighth spot or the seventh spot. And he had a very slow start to the season, but he's currently uh, sitting with a 266 average. Same thing. Like at the end of the day, there's just way too many good hitters, and that's not a bad problem to have. Like if you're in the World Series, 
I would take Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as your eighth hitter, Alejandro Kirk as your ninth hitter, Santiago Espinal as your seventh hitter. Like those guys, I think could easily string together a rally and and could be four or five hitter, maybe not four or five, but like four, five, six, seven hitters on any other average or below average team. But just because of how good the the, the top five and the top six the Blue Jays is, they have to be lower in the lineup, but. I don't think that I think realistically they're not going to move like Kirk is not going to move from the ninth spot or I, he maybe he moves up to the eighth but he's probably not going too much higher just because of how many good hitters there are and who know maybe hear me out maybe he's could be used as trade bait Blue Jays they had the offensive capabilities I'm not saying that I would want him to get traded but when you think about it if you're ridiculously talented offensively and you need pitching help I'm just saying, Ross Atkins. Uh, some it, it it could happen, probably not, but it is an option. I mean, maybe not with Kirk because realistically, uh, Reese McGuire has been okay offensively, but the the catcher spot has definitely not been the position of offensive talent for the Blue Jays throughout the last couple seasons. Um, but it's a good. I, I think it's a good problem to have. Do I think it's gonna? Do I think Kirk is gonna move up? Not really just because of the the nature of how many good guys they have in the off or have in the lineup but it ideally in any other team or with any other team pretty much everybody in the bottom of the Blue Jays lineup would be hitting I think a lot higher yeah that's a tough one but I'm happy first of all that Alejandro Kirk is back because we've been talking about him we know that he had to kind of stay in AAA for a few weeks because Reese McGuire was hot and I just want to correct myself earlier Marcus Semien's batting three Bo Bichette is the cleanup hitter Teos Hernandez is five and then I'm just going through maybe where you can move Kirk up and after Teoscar Hernandez, I think it's fair game. I think you can put anybody there. And regardless or not, Randall Gritchick can move down a few spots. I still like Kevin Biggio hitting eight or the bo- the bottom three, which means I'm fine with him hitting ninth potentially. I think Guriel, uh, I think Guriel's also um, good at the bottom of the order. So there's options. But honestly, like, why not? Why, why can't you have Alejandro Kirk or someone hit six? Why not change it up? Move Randall Gritchick down to one spot. Because we've seen him a few times this year hit out of the seventh spot, and you can be flexible. You've changed things so far. We know that you'd, what they've done to the top four, it's completely changed now. And for someone like Alejandro Kirk, if he continues to swing the bat well, I know he had a pretty good series himself um, this weekend. But And even before he, was, he got injured, I don't really look at his numbers um, too seriously because we know he was starting to heat up before he got injured. So that's why I don't know if it's a true reflection of how he's actually been doing. And he is an offensive spark. He's an offensive spark for this team. He's arguably the best offensive catcher on this team. And for the time being, you're going to have Reese McGuire and Alejandro Kirk as their two catchers. So when Reese McGuire plays, I'm fine. I think it's good for him to hit nine. But if Kirk continues to heat uh, or continues to get going and gets or heats up, you know, after Teoscar Hernandez, why not? Why not move Randall Gritchick to seven, keep Gurriel at eight, maybe move Biggio to nine? You have the flexibility to do it. And if Charlie Montoya wants to continue getting creative, I think it's something that you can seriously can consider. So that's why I'm not against the idea at all. I never really thought of it. I'm just glad that Alejandro Kirk is back with the team, and I think it was long overdue as well. He just kind of got caught in the middle of Reese McGuire's hot streak, and Reese McGuire himself right now is also cooling down. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that when Danny Jansen gets back. I don't know when Danny Jansen's going to get back, but based on what Charlie Montoya said, it's not good. He's going to be out for probably a little bit longer than he was the previous IL stint, and he pulled, I think it was the exact same hamstring. So it's not good at all for, um, I guess, the future of Danny Jansen this season. Hopefully we see him back, though, maybe the end of 
middle of the end of August. But again, we do not know the timetable. But Alejandro Kirk hitting six is something that we can definitely, or is six is something I can definitely get behind. And I think that's really the only place I see him hitting due to the top, due to the other five ahead of him. Um, it's just that you know that those lineup or those five people themselves. I think those guys are locked in of where they are. And that's why after five, I think it's a fair game and you can shuffle anything else out. And that's why I think Alejandro Kirk hitting six is potentially something um, that I would could easily get behind. Yeah, I'm not talking moving him up, him up to like the four spot or anything. I just mean moving him up a little bit, like you said, to sixth. I think, you know, if you're playing in the National League Park, having, having him hit right before the pitcher, it just seems like a waste. If he's going to get on in two of his four at-bats, why are you putting him right in front of the pitcher where they're going to automatically get another out? Put him sixth, like you said. Put him in front of te- – after Teoscar Hernandez, have someone like Santiago Espinal or Randall Grichuk be able to drive him home. Um, as much as Santiago Espinal has good numbers this season, I think they're a little bit misleading. I think he has been getting a little bit lucky. Yes, I mean, he's proving us all wrong this year. He's putting up great numbers, which is awesome. Um he, I think he should certainly get more playing time over Kevin Biggio at this point. Um, but I do think he's getting a little bit lucky. I think the numbers are a little bit unrealistic. He's not going to hit whatever he's hitting now, 320, 330 over a full season. It's going to be, I think, in a best-case scenario, 270. But still, he's a good bat to have at the bottom part of the lineup. Um, and I think Alejandro Kirk should be batting in front of him. Um We've talked previously about the trade deadline, mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we really don't know what the Blue Jays are going to do. I can't remember a season of the Blue Jays in the past, you know, 10 years where things have been this unknown or up in the air just really four days before the deadline. It's the 26th as we record this. The deadline is on the 30th. I have no idea what the Blue Jays are doing, and I think a lot of teams are in this same place. It's not just the Blue Jays. Um, you, I mean, we were talking about the NL East earlier. You have teams like the Phillies, the Braves. Um, they have no idea where they are. You, you know, you have the Nationals, the Cubs in the Central. Although it looks like they're definitely going to sell. Uh, so many teams are just don't know what they're doing right now um, because. I feel like the postseason picture this year is different than it has been in previous years, especially for the Blue Jays. Um, the Blue Jays aren't out of it, but they're not, you know, directly within striking distance. They got to make a push if they want to make it to the postseason, but I I don't know. I really have no idea what's going on with this team. I have no idea where they are, and I think a lot of people are in the same position. I think... I. I heard them talking about this on Jay's talk, but the Blue Jays aren't going to, um, you know, rip up the plan last minute and change things totally over the next four or five games. I don't care if they lose the rest of the games. They're going to stick to their plan. This is a front office that is very clinical, scientific, cold and calculated. They don't, you know, flip plans on the flip of a switch. They have exactly what they want to do laid out, and I don't think that changes whether the Blue Jays win or lose. It's just a question of what that plan is. Like, what in the world are they thinking? Um, I have no idea. I can't guess. I, I really think it's unlikely that they move someone like Marcus Simeon or Robbie Ray, but it's not out of the question. Um, Buster only on ESPN um, Baseball Tonight, Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, yesterday, he mentioned that Marcus Simeon 
I mean, this doesn't come as a surprise, but Marcus Simeon could get a huge draw on the trade market and that he could perhaps emerge on the marketplace as an infielder available to contenders. So, you know, you never know. It's it's up in the air at this point what the Blue Jays want to do. So I I'm interested in your thoughts about what you guys the Blue Jays what you guys think the Blue Jays approach will be um over the next week, but I am as baffled as anyone. I have absolutely no idea what they're going to do, honestly. I mean, the way I see it, the team that they have right now, with a few exceptions, with some guys that are going to be upcoming free agents, is the team that will eventually take them to the World Series. And if it's not going to be this year. I predicted it when they signed George Springer. I was probably inaccurate with that. But realistically, the team that they have right now is the team that's going to... This is their core. And if you go and acquire somebody, say you, we talked about Nelson Cruz, he's not available anymore. Say you acquire him or you acquire an elite starting pitcher. I don't think that that's enough to get them to the World Series, even if it was issued. I don't think that's maybe enough to get them to the playoffs. And that's primarily because the core they have is still probably a year away from from getting them there. Honestly, that's just the way I see it. Like, we know the offense we talk about, the offense is... It is what it is. It's a good offense. It's pretty much guaranteed to all of them, all the guys they have for next year. Same thing about some of the pitchers. I mean, Ross Stripling they have for next season. Alec Manoa they have for next season. Same thing with Ryu. Pearson's not really been a factor this year, but they still have him. Like So the guys that they have are, are the guys that are going to get them to where they eventually want to go. I don't really know where you add right now because at some point you're either sacrificing a prospect or sacrificing your future or making an ill-advised move to blow up part of the major league roster and I just I don't think that that's realistic and even if they get somebody I don't think that that would necessarily be enough I think like look at say the 2015 team I think that's a good uh, example Josh Donaldson Jose Bautista all these guys they were probably in their prime arguably like they were they were the guys that could have could have won them the World Series, and if they didn't lose to the Royals, they would have won the World Series, and I, I knew it, but let's not get into that. Uh, that team was a few pieces away from being a World Series contender. They got the pieces, and they almost won the World Series. They were almost there. Almost there. Yeah, I'm still getting angry about that, but point is, is that team was a few moves away from winning and from being good enough. This team, I still think, is a year away from that. Maybe next year you buy in a little heavier. Maybe you don't even need to because all your guys that that are a little bit younger have finally finished developing and maybe they're starting to enter their prime. And that's, I think, I think that's probably more in Shapiro and Atkins' mind than let's try and win right now because they're not winning right now. Even like, Even if you do acquire somebody right now, I would argue that it would probably be a waste of an opportunity because say you say they got Nelson Cruz. Yeah, it would be cool to have him, but you have him for half a season and then that's it. Like they, they really don't go anywhere far with him this season. So I that that's why I think the, the trade deadline right now is just so difficult to predict. Because honestly anything like anything could happen. The Blue Jays could blindside us and make a blockbuster move. I don't think that's realistic, but it could in theory happen 
And then you also got to remember, like they've they've made some moves. I think going into the trade deadline, they acquired plenty of relievers, and, and to a degree, it's worked, sort of. I mean, Jacob Barnes is kind of not not necessarily been the guy. I mean, he's had a few good outings, but he's been okay. And you you know you look at Adam Simber, like like the moves have been okay. I mean, realistically, like how many more do you think they would make, and how many do you think they would target to a specific area? Because maybe you acquire a starter. Maybe you acquire a reliever. I don't really think that a, a position player is realistic unless you get rid of one. Like, say you say you get rid of Marcus Simeon, then there's, in theory, a hole that you need to fill unless you want to put Sonio Espinal or move guys around. But the point is, is I have, I have no idea what they're going to do. I don't think that they're honestly going to do much. I think maybe the moves they made were it, unless there's a deadline deal that's sent into the league 15 minutes or 10 minutes before the, the deadline at I think it's 3 p.m. Eastern so maybe they try to get something done but I don't think that there's going to be many moves because at the end of the day you have to you have to ask yourself if is this team a piece away from going on a run and I don't really think that it is because like even when they lose it's not because it's one thing like yes the bullpen has been atrocious at times Starting pitching has been pretty good, I would say. It's had its moments, but it's been pretty good. Offense has been good, but it's also had some cold spots. So do you fix the bullpen? Do you fix the offense? Do you fix both? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's the team. I think it's, it's a year away, I think, from being complete. And and the guys that are going to make it complete are primarily the guys on the field right now. Maybe you acquire somebody that can slightly help you and then hope that, that that team is able to take you to the playoffs, but it's not going to be, I, I, I don't think that the, that they're going to be any big moves. I think the biggest move they made was Adam Simber and Corey Dickerson. Honestly, I, I really do. And I, I don't think that there's going to be too many more, uh, acquisitions or transactions going into the, to the last couple of days. Yeah. I, I mean, part of me wants to say Chris Bryan and Craig Kimbrell to the Blue Jays in a blockbuster deal, but Kimbrel. yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Kimbrel would be amazing if the Blue Jays got him. Uh, you know, he's a Hall of Fame caliber guy, the career he's put together, and could not complain about that. But I like it. I, I don't think it would turn the Blue Jays around. Um, I don't think it would be enough. Um, but to your point, Jacob, like, I honestly think this team is a lot better than their record. Um, they've lost so many one run games, their run differential is so much higher than so many other teams. Um, I think if you make that one electrifying move, that Troy Tulowitzki acquisition, that David Price acquisition, um, you could push this team into win-now mode. Not so much that you actually have to win now and that you're selling off prospects and stuff like that, but that the energy is there, that the team has a sense of urgency, that they're going to go on a win streak. I think it could happen. It's just a question of whether it's worth it. Um, and it, that entirely depends on what the market is, what the Blue Jays' approach is going to be. Um, yeah, I I don't know. We're going to see in four days. It's going to be a fun time, and I think a lot of teams, like I said, are waiting until July 30th to see how the dominoes fall. Um, so we will see. We will wrap it up there. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138. Um, I do understand that we were having some issues with episode 138 of section 138. Um, it wasn't appearing for some people on Apple Podcasts. So hopefully if you're listening to this, of 
course, all those issues will have been sorted out. But um, we're hoping we don't encounter that again. If it does, we will deal with it when it happens. But until then, if you are listening to this podcast, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can support our podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash section138pod. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at section138pod. And lastly, as always, you can watch our episodes on YouTube, which regardless of the problems we might be having with Apple Podcasts, our podcasts are always available on YouTube. So if need be, you can watch them there. Um, Thanks for listening this week. We will catch you at the end of the trade deadline when the Blue Jays have finally made some moves. Got that